Hello, it's Jack Tudor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Greg Anderson, half of the band Sun with Stephen O'Malley, a member of Goatsnake, Engine Kid back in the day, curator of the Southern Lord label, and now also a solo musician under the moniker The Lord. So Greg had one album that came out as The Lord earlier this year, Forest Nocturne. A second one is due in October with Petra Hayden called Devotional. And in Greg's words, I think this is from his interview with The Quietus, if Forest Nocturne is the dark, then Devotional with Petra Hayden is the light. They work beautifully as a pair. The foundation of both is obviously Greg's quintessential low dense, thick, distorted guitar, heavy, heavy riffs reduced to their very essence. Yet the one with Petra Hayden that's upcoming has this radiant spillage over the top, which is Petra's multi-layered voice, which goes on these swooping melodies, which runs in parallel to itself and then splits off into these great firecrackers of improvisation. I love both of these records. This was also an incredibly easy interview. Greg is a fabulous person to talk with. I felt like I barely had to do anything. I just listened to Greg's fabulous stories. Please do check out both of those new records. They're both released on Southern Lord. I'll include a link in the show notes to both of them. And yeah, enjoy this conversation with Greg. This is a great one. If you want to support Crucial Listening... You can do over at coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash crucial listening. You can donate either monthly or one-off, any amount of your choosing. Or give the show a rate or review if you like. Otherwise, thank you so much for, for supporting the show and for enjoying it. Okay, here we go. This is Greg Anderson on Crucial Listening. Greg, welcome to Crucial Listening. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So first, I want to talk about your new album, Devotional, which is a collaboration with Petra Hayden that comes out on October 21st. So I read a little bit about how this collaboration got going. I know you've worked together before with Petra, but tell me about how an idea for a collaborative record first came together. Yeah, I had the uh, the uh, it was fortunate to work with Petra uh, quite a long time ago in the um, early 2000s. Um, uh, I met her through the singer of a band I was in called Goat Snake and um, Pete Stahl. He was the singer and, and he was really uh, good friends with Petra. And he um, 
he mentioned uh, he to her to me as somebody who he thought would be cool to have uh, guest on um, the Goat Snake album and uh, playing violin and v- vocals. And um, I was unaware of of her at the time, but I certainly know who knew her her father uh, Charlie Hayden, and as I was a huge fan of oh, Coleman. shit i didn't realize yeah yeah man and 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 it's kind of a you know the family's got an interesting story because she's she's part of uh she's one of tri- uh three triplets they're they're the hayden sisters so there's uh rachel tanya and petra and um they've done some musical stuff together over the years as the hayden triplets and they had a band called uh that dog as well um but you know, I knew of her father. I was a huge Ornette Coleman fan, and and fans of um of I knew of his name and and his playing, and played with Alice Coltrane as well, and um, Keith Jarrett. And so I was I was I'm a I'm a jazz nerd and uh, obsessed <laughs> with that. So I was like, oh my god, that's incredible! I'd love to meet her. And then um, she's just an incredible musician. So she um, recorded um on the first two Goat Snake records, and then also. Um, from our experience um, working with her with Goat Snake, I asked her to con- contribute to a new project I had at that time, which was Sun. Um, Sun was uh, newly formed around um, uh, the early 2000s, and we um, went into the studio to make uh, what ended up being our second record, Double Avoid, and we asked her to um, to sing on that too. Fast forward about 19 years, um, I'd kind of lost contract uh, contact with Petra, and um, we sort of we reconnected. I think I don't know how we did, but somehow we reconnected, and then she ended up playing live with Sun in Los Angeles um, at the Mayan Theater. We we were we were on the tour we were doing in 2019. Um, we were. Uh, we would, from time to time, depending on where we were, what city or uh, we were at, we would um, invite guests to come and coll- um, uh, to join us uh, on the last, the encore or the last piece of of music that we would do for the mm. for the evening. And um, we asked her to come out and do some violin and, and vocals if she if she wanted. And and um, it was amazing. She was incredible, and it's like brought back a lot of really great memories and of working with her in the past. And it's like, Oh man, she's just, she's a, she's a, she's phenomenal. And, and then after the show, she's like, man, we should do more stuff together. And she wanted to go on tour with us and <laughs> do all this stuff. We we're like, Oh man, we should. And, <laughs> and then kind of um, the pandemic hit and um, stopped a lot of stuff, of course. And then I um, started writing a lot of music for the first time ever really in my life. Cause I've, I've always really made music with other people. That's where, any music I've made throughout my life has has happened is in in a room with another person, bouncing ideas off of another person, and um, in a, in kind of in a band setting, really. Um, mm. I come up, come up with some very rough skeletal ideas on my own at home, like riffs or something, or maybe ideas or concepts, and then but then bring them into a, a group setting and 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 bounce them off of uh, off other other people in that room and, and other other members of that group and then that becomes the the music that's um that's made so without having to have be able to have that interaction with people um 
I just started writing a lot of stuff in my garage <laughs> and recording stuff, which is like, for me, it was new. I mean, I never, I didn't even never, I, I, I've never, I never even knew how to ever, um, uh, operate garage band. You know, I just, wow. I would, always, if I ever had anything, I would just, you know, use a, my, my phone or a tape recorder or something. And, and, you know, I've got like tapes and, uh, you know, uh, phone recordings of stuff that's just, you know, got tons of that stuff laying around, but, um, it's really primitive and it's just, just basically so that it doesn't get lost, you know? So I, I taught myself how to use a, a, a Tascam, uh, digital eight track recorder. Um, and, um, and so I had something that was a little bit, you know, better, you know, be a be- better capture these ideas. And then I really got into it because I was able to like, start layering ideas and, and kind of, you know, almost sort of, uh, jamming with myself, you know, like, Oh, yeah. Hey, there's like a cool riff. And then I build on that or use a counter riff or counter melody or account, you know, different ideas, just layering, um, textures and sounds and, and, um, ideas and sometimes melodies even so um i got really into it and um i i, I thought to myself oh, i'd be cool to um mix to record the stuff in a real studio with real gear and um there was a guy another guy that i had also met at the la show uh the sun show that i mentioned uh, this guy brad wood this uh producer and um he's been known in the 90s for working with liz fair and um, sunny day real estate and, um, you know, stuff that's you know, pretty different than where I come from and what I'm into and what I, what I make, but I was really enthusiastic about the band and, um, about son and just, uh, he was, um, uh, really friendly. And he's like, if you guys ever want to do something, let me know. I'd love to work with you guys. And we thought, Oh, that could be an, it might be an interesting pairing to think about. So, um, so when I wanted to go into the studio, I was like, you know, I'm gonna call Brad and see if he's, he has time or if he's allowing people into his studio and see if we can work, you know, work, to, you know, do, if I can record these ideas uh, properly that I have. And mm. he was really into, it. he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't, he's like, you know, most of my business has been canceled now because, um, you know, uh, he's, he gets a lot of people traveling in a lot of client, a lot of bands cl- uh, traveling in from different places to come and record with him and have, um, him produce the records. And that was all dry at all dried up so he said um yeah come on down you know <laughs> so we we ended up striking up a really great relationship and uh, a friendship and um I, I love working with him i love the fact that it's you know he's pretty different um sonically in uh from other people i've worked with and makes his ideas that he does come up with very interesting and unique and um his suggestions uh as well he's not heavy. He's not, he's not overbearing with them. He's not like a, you know, he's not, it's not like a heavy, like this, um, uh, authoritative, um, uh, producer. It's more very, it's very, um, friendly and, um, and not in, in this, all this, you know, a lot of his suggestions, most of them are, are amazing. So it's really cool and different to work with him. So anyways, <laughs> long story short, we, uh, we started working together, recording stuff. And, um, he had, he had produced, um, Petra's, band that dog in the 90s they had signed a major label deal and um so he was familiar with petra and he was a huge fan as well so i was like oh you know i ran into petra at that la show that you were at as well and she said she was interested in maybe doing something and he's like oh man let's 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 see if she's available or if she's interested and so i contacted her and, and she was like yeah, i'd love to do something i'm just kind of thinking maybe a little stir crazy and her 
uh, (laughs) in her apartment, you know, and like wanting to get out and do some, do something creative and do something musical. So it's kind of a perfect timing for, for all of us. And um, I had already written the, the music and, um, you know, the compositions were, they were solid, but they could also, um, they, they, I was flexible with them. So when she came in and did vocals, uh, really sort of reacting to the music that I had written and recorded, um, uh, you know, it took more shape once she got in there and did that, but, but her, but you know, her, her tracking and her contributions to those, um, to those, uh, compositions was just, it just blew my mind. It was just unbelievable. Mm. It was really, it was really like, it was just an honor to be in the same space with her and not only watch her do that, but, you know, and then just hear the, the result of it was just, it, it was, um, it was, it was it was really special for me and and i i i'm absolutely love the what what uh what we, what we created so um and we so we had one session in december 2020 we did three tracks together or i had three tracks that i recorded with brad and she did vocals for all three of them and then we really liked working on those tracks and so i basically just went right back to work com- composing um more stuff uh to to record with brad with now sort of with her in mind as well so it's the record's interesting that it's like the side a the first three tracks are were written before knowing that i was going to Ah. collaborate with her and then side b um is written was written sort of like with this inspiration that I had, you know, sort of more call it a little bit pep in my step. Like, okay, I know what, you know, <laughs> we, I, I, I kind of know what's going to happen now with this stuff. And so I think it, um, it was maybe a bit more focused. Those side, those, those, the tracks, the three tracks on side B seemed to me um, a little bit more focused and um, maybe a little bit more realized and developed than this, the tracks on side three. And I think they have kind of their own, a bit more of a unique flavor. Um, they're, they, I think they stand on their own a little bit more than this, uh, the other track. So, so we went and did this, the second session, it was probably April of, of 21. And then Brad um, and I spent a, a lot of time uh, editing and um, finalizing the pieces. Because um, we would just ask Petra you know like hey just sing just go in there and, <laughs> you know react and we're gonna roll tape on the whole thing i mean we're not we're not gonna like cut anything or stop her in the middle of it we're not gonna ask her to go back and do anything differently we're just we just let it roll and um and then with with the idea that we would make editorial choices later in the mixing and we would basically create the final piece by doing a lot of um, a lot of heavy editing through it, so you know, I guess you could say everything that she does is is live and improvisation. But there was a lot of um, there's a lot of cut and paste, a lot of editing that that Brad and I did, especially Brad, to create the final piece of music and the and the, the the version that was released. You know, mm. so which which honestly, you know, this is kind of this concept that. I sort of was inspired by by reading about how the um, the bitches brew Miles Davis <laughs> yeah. album was made. You know, I mean, that's that, Sun was really into that concept too on the um, on the Monoliths and Dimensions album, uh, where it's like, you know, there was he was kind of Miles, well, Tio Macero and, and Miles would 
would cherry pick these moments that were just like that they that really hit them and struck them and they would you know they would edit and string different parts of the playing or the or the recording um together to create the final piece i thought that was really really interesting and fascinating mm. um way to create a piece of music um and then considering how powerful to me bitches brew is i was like man that is cool so so sun really we kind of adopted um a bit of that sort of philosophy or technique on um on the monoliths and dimensions album and then um that's really sort of you know that's that's really what we did with um with devotional as well as is with as far as with most of the guitar stuff is i mean that's sort of you know that's more linear and 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 it and it it's not as chopped up or edited but a lot of what petra was doing there's just so many amazing moments and we would hear them in different parts of the riff or the 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 piece of music and it was like so it, it you know we we would take them out of the out of the place of where she actually recorded it and put it somewhere else. And, and um, so, yeah, it was, that was, again, that was, that was heavily influenced by Tio Macero and, and, and that concept of what he did with, with miles on, on that record. And I think in the silent way, there's some of that going on too, but yeah. Amazing. I mean, the record is phenomenal. I'm going to put links in the show notes. It's been really nice to hear you talk about it actually, because all that sensation of Petra spilling out the lines uh, when you're listening makes so much sense when you talk about that process. So, yeah, mm. people should 100% check that out. Um, we're already spilling into your important records, which is awesome. Like, that's already yeah, given some context. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, here, here we are. <laughs> that's yeah. great. So what, one question... I, I, I didn't like plan to... that, by the way. That's not like some premeditated... You know, <laughs> that's not a stick like... or a root. I might not need to talk. Here, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one question I like to ask at this point is about how you thought about the term important when picking this list. So was there a way that you understood or thought about important in order to come up with the list of three records that you did? You know what, man? It's like, how many times have you been asked like, Oh yeah, what's your, what's your desert Island discs, man. And what's your favorite? My kids, my kids love to do that. Like what's your favorite song of all time, dad? I'm like, I don't know, you know, but it's funny when, when, uh, when I was approached by the, uh, about this and this question, I was like, I basically had it. I had two of the three without even like thinking, like I knew the answer right away. The third one I thought about a little bit more. Um, uh, and I also kind of wanted to do something a little bit more timely, like, okay, this is what's been the most important record to me for the last two years, you know, like pandemic, mm. uh, or, you know, or was it an influence really for the music that I've created? So that there was, there was, but the other, you know, other two records was like, Oh no, this is, these are records that I've just, that are, they're, they're part of my DNA at this point. Like, it's just like, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I've fused completely with these <laughs> records and there's, there's, you know, I, I have no question what those were, but um, yeah. Wicked. Nice. Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, I mean, we were talking about Miles. Yeah. Davis, bitch, Drew, um, yeah, yeah. That one. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's that record. I, You know, uh, most of my life, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with music. I'm a total nerd. I, I love, I, and I just, I, I love a lot of different kinds of music. My tastes are, are, are really eclectic. There's really not much music or I, you know, I, I, 
I couldn't even really name anything. I'm like, no, I, I don't like that kind of music. You know, mm. um, usually there's a for all the different any genre of music, I I can find something that I like or or it's interesting, you know, uh, about it that, so it's, I, I can't say a blanket statement, like, man, I fucking hate country. You know, I would never, <laughs> I would never say that because I, you know, or whatever music it is, insert genre here. You know, uh, I, I like, um, I usually find something or an artist that's interesting in that genre of music, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, but most of my life I've, um, I've been involved with and played underground uh, metal or hardcore punk and uh, or different variations or offshoots of those or music's styles that are really influenced by that so um, I was pretty unfamiliar with jazz until uh, about 1990 when I was I was 20 and uh, um, or 91 maybe I, I discovered um uh, or I just bought on a whim. I'd heard good things about a record called a love Supreme by John Coltrane. So <laughs> I record, you know, bought a CD for like at some, some little CD shop, the used CD for a couple bucks. And, um, I'll take a chance on this. And I've been hearing people talk about it. Maybe there was somebody that I was, uh, an artist that I like or a band that had claimed, uh, that they influenced or something. So, um, I bought that and, and it really sort of, um, it really blew my mind and, and opened, uh, opened my mind to, you know, um, listening to jazz and getting really into, um, to jazz and, and the next artist that I just, that I, that I, um, discovered, uh, after miles or after John Coltrane was miles. And, mm. and, um, and I had, and the first record I got was bitches brew. And, and I just thought the wreck is like, man, this is gonna, you know, cause I, I heard her, you know, obviously it was really into uh, a love Supreme and um, a lot of that, a lot of the, um, the quartet records that Coltrane made in the um, uh, early to mid sixties. And, and that to me was like, Oh, this is jazz. You know, this is, you know, this is, uh, this is what jazz is, you know, but so I didn't know that there had been this entire shift in jazz in the, in the um, late sixties in, in incorporating with, um, with rock music and mm. and i heard john mclaughlin playing you know because of uh, his you know being on bitches brew and um i was like who's this guitar player you know <laughs> like, and then right. so i found mahavishnu orchestra and it was just like oh my gosh there's all this incredible to me like pretty intense and heavy music that was kind of more you know something that i could really kind of from my background you know i grew up listening to rock i grew up listening to acdc and zeppelin and the who and and then got into sabbath and so it's like you know hearing somebody playing um loud electrified guitar and with jazz influence and creating this kind of you know this super group of band uh this this incredible band with all these incredible jazz musicians but playing in a rock kind of like a rock frame you know it was like it was it that that really i i couldn't believe it i was like wow there's jazz took this really interesting turn mm -hmm. that i had no idea about you know what i mean yeah. and it was kind of one of those like moments realizations that i have in life that where it's like makes me appreciate and love music so much um even more and um where you're like 
you discover something like, I can't believe I missed out on this. I missed out on <laughs> this entire music. And that's what's so amazing to me about, about music is that there's always, to me, there's always something like that where I discover like, you know, uh, maybe a regional scene or a, a group of musicians that existed at some time. And it's like, it's just, it's so, it's just, it's always, um, it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know, it's always rewarding. Mm. But, um, and that's how I felt about, uh, jazz, well, Miles Davis, a bitch's brew. I was like, I can't believe this is, this exists, you know, this, this with this fusion of rock and, and darkness too. I mean, that was the, uh, you know, a lot of the music that most of the music that I've listened to in my life and a lot of the underground music, it's, um, there's a lot of darkness in it. And that's kind of what I've been attracted to. And I like that. And, you know, the use of minor, um chords and and <laughs> notes and music and and that feeling and and or dissonance um and discordance and I, I love that and um and I was hearing all that in a um very to me in a very powerful way through the bitches brew record and I would have it was also a time where I was sort of discovering marijuana as well <laughs> and and it was really just insane, insane to just you know um really just like let your mind go and listen to this stuff and do some really kind of for the to me maybe the first time in my life that i did like some really deep listening of of albums uh, of an album and um and this and the and the the compositions of the tracks are all are, are are all fairly long on that record so you could really um space out on those and um i just loved how you could kind of i would put this on it was constantly on my walkman um or whatever listening device i had and i would just walk through this you know walk where whatever neighborhood i was in like seattle or walk through the city or i remember i had a, a moment with this record in new york where um i i just um i just walked around new york for hours in new york city um manhattan with this record and just you know um dealt dealt with and ingested the sights and the sounds of what was around me with this music as the soundtrack you know and I'm, <laughs> that's I so much so, so cool you know <laughs> like just it, it it was kind of the first and so I, I really had this these multiple um moments with that album where it really i really connected heavily with it and it created it was just kind of became a soundtrack to my life you know it's like i'm just going to put this on and when i put this on i'm i'm I'm, I'm really enjoying, um, my moments, you know? Um, and, uh, and then, you know, that record really sort of, um, opened the doors for me to, to discover, well, of course I mentioned Mahavishnu Orchestra, but Weather Report, Return to Forever, and a lot of the fusion groups of the, of the early seventies. And, and then, um, you know, just kind of spinning out like on every single player that's on their record, just you know buying any record that they were a part of any uh, record they were the leader on the session you know i just i it really was like it o opened the the floodgates for me of of uh, of uh you know the appreciation of jazz and getting really uh, heavily and deeply into it yeah and you mentioned the impact of hearing what Tia was doing in the studio as well and cutting up those sessions and kind of splicing them back together which when I read about and started really listening to the record and hearing the impact of those decisions, I was kind of alarmed. I was like, this could, I think, in different hands have completely killed a record which thrives off the vibrancy of people 
in a room in that semicircle formation just blasting it out like why would you have a little medal yeah. with it afterwards right but yeah 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 it, no no i know i thought about that a lot too hmm. and you know you, you you get deep into some of these box sets of those records and you can hear like the studio chatter <laughs> and stuff and it's like miles is always like really grumpy and kind of an asshole and i just kind of wonder it's like man you, but he must he obviously had some trust there that yeah. You know, and it, as a visionary for, you know, Miles Davis is a visionary. It's like, that it just speaks volumes to that. Of like, he knew, he totally knew what was going on and, yeah. and, and he trusted it. And, 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 cause you're totally right. It's like in the hands of someone else, which at that time, you know, from my understanding of, or my perception of what the music business was like back then, it could have totally gone a really wrong way. Like, oh, yeah. And somebody, then, you know, some people just, just gave up the fight. You know what if miles gave up the fight and was like all right we'll just bring in who the fuck you want to bring in and i'm <laughs> you know you know what i mean and that happened that happened to many records and some records got ruined and other other really amazing collaborations happened like if you think about the temptations and them working with the compositions that they made around that time period too which were yeah. just 15 minute long jams of you know of songs that were really interesting but wow what have you know just weird choices so yeah it's cool it's 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 very um yeah it's mind-blowing <laughs> <laughs> and you go for the box sets as well right with all the master reels and stuff do you oh yeah you man and, and, and I, you know I, um uh japan is a crazy place to get like bootlegs you know they have oh, man, they have just store after store after store and i would just go there and just geek out and spend hundreds of dollars on um you know lots of live live miles bootlegs but they i found one place i found i found a cd that had like um all the unedited material so it had oh, like wow. a lot of these performances that um that were before they were um before they got the scissors you know and and it's really it's really cool because then you can like oh you can pick out stuff like oh there's there's that there's that line there's the keyboard line you know um, that I hear in this one track that, you know, and there was, there was actually some, some repetition that was happening too, that I realized, uh, or learned, um, where, you know, he would take a part and he would just loop it. And there's some, there's some looping happening there too, which I, I guess I never really, I didn't realize, I thought it was just straight, you know, cut and paste type of job, but there's like people parts that, you know, um, like, uh, I think it's the bass part, the bass line at the beginning of Bitches Brew. That's a loop, you know, and, and I, um, cause wow. you can hear the fingers snap on there and they repeat exactly in the same way. <laughs> I thought it was just something that was part of a rhythmic thing, but it's actually a loop. So yeah, I, I, I get deep and nerdy on that stuff and, you know, love a good, you know, that that's one thing I love about the Miles Davis catalog is that there's been some really incredible, um, uh box sets that have come out all mostly on cd like i remember you know, like probably late 90s um early 2000 they started kind of this box set series where they would take periods of his either records certain records or periods of his work and collect them in a box set and i i just you know i i i got that i, I swallowed that stuff up as soon as it, <laughs> as soon as i possibly could afford it you know it was like this is so great and it's really kind of gives you this it, it 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 pulls back the curtain but not in a way that is just like uh discouraging you know it's like it, no. the pulling back of the curtain is like man it, it, it actually exposes the genius more whereas a lot of times some of that times when when the curtains pulled back like that you're like oh maybe this wasn't you know this is <laughs> kind of makes it seem like they, it kind of decreases the the genius uh um you know 
uh, of it in yeah. some way, but not yeah. with that stuff. It's like it just made it even <laughs> made me even more like in awe and more of a fan, you know. Oh yeah, there's one of Miles Smiles that I heard where there's mm. like a 20 minute version or the master reel for Freedom Jazz Dance. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You That's hear him on chatting the about the drum intro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's so good because it like at a certain point it cuts into the take. Uh, oh, is that with uh, Tony Williams playing yeah, the drum? That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's really struggling for a bit. Um, yeah, and then obviously he nails it. But yeah, oh, yeah. No, I, I love that. I, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm such a nerd for that stuff, man. It's like, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give, give, give it, give it all to me, man. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. It's really great, you know. <laughs> Okay, Greg, let's go to your second important record. Which one do you want to go for now? Uh, let's do Slint Spiderland. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a really important record for me. Um, I was, uh, you know, grew up in Seattle in, in uh, early 90s. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was like, a, like I mentioned, I was into, into hardcore and underground metal and um and things like that and, and playing in bands as well. And, you know, it was a, basically like fast, hardcore bands or, um, you know, uh, it w- w- wasn't anything, um, extremely unique or anything like that, but, um, but, but really believed and, you know, passionate about what, what, what I was doing, but, um, you know, kind of like, you know, 91, I think it was, uh, mm. really wanted to hear, I really was in, you know, I discovered, you know, like I said, discovered John Coltrane and jazz and, and, and was kind of a broadening my, um, my horizons with, with music and relationships and, um, uh, drugs and, and just life in general, you know, gotten out of, out of high school, dabbling with college you know first apartments things like that but um just kind of getting a little bit um tired of uh like hardcore or traditional the stuff that i've been listening to for the last couple years and sort of maybe sort of noticing that there was some limitations to that music and Mm. um that's why jazz was so um uh why why i connectedly i strongly connected to it was because it's like, oh, here's a, something totally free and open and different. And um, I heard, um, I was at the record store that I would go to uh, in Seattle called Fallout Records, through that basically where I bought my first hardcore record, you know, and I, they were they were always like, oh, you, you know, whenever I would come in the store, they'd be like, oh, hey, have you heard this new thing? Or And so they kind of, they, 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 you know, they were, they, they were like curating my collection of music based on what they thought I might like. And, um, it was just awesome, you know, They're like, and they kind of, you know, they sort of followed me through different phases of what stuff I was getting into. And they noticed that I was sort of getting out of hardcore or we're looking for something different, right? They're not getting out of it, just looking for something different. And, um, they said, hey, have you ever heard, uh, this, 
group slint you know i was like huh, I, I don't know i never heard of it and <laughs> the cover was kind of you know there's four dudes in a you know in a wall in the water and um it didn't really like i was like huh but one of the guys in the band was in squirrel bait and mm-hmm. um they turned me on to squirrel bait they're like yeah remember squirrel bait like yeah i love love those two records and they're like well this is the guy from one of the you know they're like some of the members or they weren't sure what it was, it was pretty vague the information was really um foggy on that i think with them but yeah. um and so i was like huh okay and um so i was like i'm like yeah let me try it i'll, I'll try it so i bought it and went home with it and um it's like man it, I, I just it just like i i didn't know what this was i didn't know i couldn't define it and that was exhilarating that you couldn't put your finger on what this was and like mm. you know i the only thing i knew was like somebody from squirrel bait was in this band and they were and i knew they were from louisville kentucky um which was where squirrel bait was from too so i was like huh that's all i knew that's all the information i had and it's a kind of cryptic you know, weird photo on the front of dudes in the water with smiles on their faces and then like a spider on the back and, and the lyrics, like no lyric sheet. So couldn't really figure out what was, what the, what they were trying to say exactly. And, but really interesting and it's kind of mysterious. So kind of mystery, the mystery of all of it just really uh, was just completely fascinating to me. And um, the fact that I couldn't, define this and go oh yeah you know this they're they were listening to bad brains and you know and and they were listening to uh minor threat and you know um and even squirrel bait you know it's like oh yeah it's kind of got a little bit of you know they could tell they were listening to who's could do and things like that so but this was like what what is this music and it's (laughs) it was so exciting that i couldn't put my finger on what it was and and there's some it was just pushing on my buttons that is like had this darkness to it that was um kind of seductive in a way and you couldn't uh and and also the um the saturation of the guitars at times was like had elements of almost metal um definitely um maybe from the underground hardcore scene but done in a completely different way and they were the the way that the songs were they they seemed like these guys were just masters of actually song writing songs and which you know for in the underground metal and hardcore scene was kind of limited um there wasn't like songwriting wasn't something that was um encouraged necessarily <laughs> you know the, it wasn't part of the you know the focus right. and you could tell something else was going on with this these these guys in this band and this recording that they had made and i just i i flipped out i i it totally <laughs> kind of took over my my life in a way and that i i immediately wanted to make music like that and influenced by that which i did i started a band called engine kid mm. and we were you know a lot of uh, that especially early on in that band we were we got a lot of uh, flack for being um derivative of slint and and we were unashamed about that it uh we uh, that was definitely where we were coming from and through slint i discovered some other groups that were kind of somewhat similar like bastro and and bitch magnet and um uh you know uh, and of course there was rape man and big black from from that scene as well from and but but you know really sort of what touch and go that records was putting out in the early 90s and then 
some of the other um there's some other groups that i got turned on to because of this band called rodan that was mm. came a little bit later uh, also from louisville that was um influenced by slint but it was just kind of became i was uh, engrossed by that the that sound and and wanted to um I wanted to create something like that on um, myself. So engine kid was the result of that. And, and we grew, we grew um, into our, I think we at near the end of that band, we kind of grew into our, our own thing, but it was still, there was always that influence there. And, and that's just a record that has always um, resonated with me no matter what. I mean, um, you know, seeing so, you know, everyone's got their records. It's like, Oh my God, this is all I listen to when I was, you know, in my early twenties or my teens. And then you go back and listen to it in your thirties or forties or fifties or whatever. And it's like, ah, it just didn't hold up, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. that, that sure. one, that one continues. I mean, I listen to it, you know, I still listen to it at least, at least once or twice a month, sometimes even more, wow. um, uh, to this day. And, and, um, and it's one of those records too, where it's like, it's kind of like a, a barometer for me. It's like, when you meet somebody or you you start playing music with somebody new it's like if that person is into slint or is aware of and and likes it then th we're probably going to get along just fine you know <laughs> and, and 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 the opposite too like if you don't it's like oh man well can i turn you on to it like you know can i buy <laughs> can i buy you a copy of this record because i think you you need to hear this record it's it, it, and it's one of those records i mean now it's it's, it's so um it's so widespread and most people know it that usually the people in the circles that I'm in. Um, so it's almost like, a, it's almost exciting when somebody doesn't know the record. Cause it's yeah. like, you know, or someone's like, I've heard of that, but I'm like, dude, we've got to stop everything. We're doing right now. <laughs> but, but let's listen to this record. Let's have some, let's have a session, you know, but, um, but yeah, just, it, it's something that, um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's even had influence uh, somewhat on, 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 um, on on later music that i created too a sun for sure and we did a our first peel session the well the peel session that we did uh we we used the intro from um uh donna man donna man yeah we used that uh, as, uh, <laughs> as the intro to one of our tracks that we played on the bbc um on the peel session and then um goat snake the last record that we made um a few years ago we invited uh, David Pajo to play um, on that. So he plays the intro oh, to the album on acoustic guitar, like this kind of like this old, uh, I think it was Skip James, like an old blues thing that he kind of like did his own interpretation of. And he kind of um, wove in the, the uh, riff from the first song. And so we turned that into an intro for that album. And then um, in 2019, Sun did a fair amount of touring and, and, um, David Pajo, uh, supported son, uh, with, uh, his Papa M solo project, um, on those, uh, those, on, on a lot of those shows in the U S. And so I, I, be, I became friends with David later. Like he moved to Los Angeles, um, probably like six years ago, I think it was, he moved mm. here. And so it was one of those, you know, uh, incredible moments like oh man the guy from you know from my favorite <laughs> guitar players of all time is living in los angeles like i i guy i, I gotta got hang out with this guy you know and so um so we ended up becoming friends and he's we have a lot of similarities and uh uh similar taste in music and stuff and um we ended up 
he knows how much of a freak I am for Slint. And he showed me um, before it came out, he showed me the uh, the movie, the documentary yeah. that Lance Banks made. And he's like, yeah, come over to my apartment. I want to show you something. And I like, went over there and we watched it. I was just, oh, I was just so blown away. And I was like, He's like, what do you think? And I, and I, I stood up from the couch. I was like, man, I need to go get a Spiderland tattoo right now. He's like, he's like, let's do it. So we ended up getting we ended up getting spider tattoos together. We have matching tattoos. So it's kind of like, you know, oh. a huge, huge moment for me to, uh, you know, not only have a friendship with this guy, you know, have, to have a friendship with the guy who is, uh, you know, m one of my favorite bands and records uh, of all time. So that's um, amazing yeah cool man cool great guy great amazing amazing guy great guitar player these his ideas are just um beyond you know another another quick funny story about that is um when i moved to la in 96 um and basically i moved here and started the band goat snake and i lived in this, uh, this neighborhood called los filas and um one day in the morning, I was like, I got up. I'd, I'd probably been, been been living in Los Angeles for like two weeks, and I uh, was trying to find a job. And I was walking down the streets, and it's kind of a neighborhoodish area of of Los Angeles. It's like not it's a lot of it's more houses, and you know, not not a ton of businesses there, but um, you know, more neighborhood vibe. But walking down my street, and on the others, and it's like probably like you know, it's like you know, it's like eight thirty in the morning or something, and you know, it's beautiful southern you know sunny Cal, uh socal day and sun's up but um it's like fresh you know and i'm 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 trying to get out there early to get a get a job you know and i see this guy walking on the other side of the street and i'm like man there's, there's no one else out you know it's just me and i'm on one side of the street he's on the other side of the street and i'm like god that guy really looks familiar and it was Brian McMahon from Slant walking the other way. Like, what the hell? Like, hey man, what's what? I'm like, you're Brian from <laughs> Slant, right? He's like, wow, yeah, man, yeah. Like, he's like, I, I just moved here. I'm like, me too, you know. And, <laughs> and he's like, and he figured it out. He's like, yeah, are you are you practice at downtown rehearsal? And I'm like, yeah, with the jamming with these guys, starting this new thing, and it's like you guys are really loud, right? I'm like, yeah, we're it's, it's, it's pretty stupid. He's like, yeah, man, we're like we're like three doors down. Uh, he, he had a band called the Four Carnation at that time. Yeah, yeah. it's like, man, this is just too weird. You know, it was very wow, very very weird moment, and um, one of those things. It's like it has kept me in L.A. Actually, where it's like because things like that happen. You know, it's like you run into somebody here. It's like a magnet for interesting and eclectic people. And it's like you never know what's going to happen. It's like that was one of the things that happened to me. I'm like, man, this place is great. This is really <laughs> bizarre, you know, totally <laughs> weird, you know. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, that that record is uh, that's a special record for sure. Have you seen them play live? Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw them. You know, not back in the day. I mean, I, by the time I heard Spiderland, they had already broken up. That was the other piece of information that I kind of cobbled together, gathered from magazines or something, is that you wouldn't be seeing them. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, which, made it even, which made it even more, uh, which made me like it even more, because I was like, oh, man, I, like, yeah, this, this is not going to get ruined by a bad live show, <laughs> or, you know, or you meet, you know, whatever, you know, like... Um, 
you just can't have it. You know, you want, you, you, you want what you can't have. Right. So it's yeah. like, okay. Um, but then, yeah, of course, when they got back together, um, and did those reunions, um, was that 2000 and, um, seven, I think it was, um, I want to say, um, maybe 2008. Um, I saw the law. I saw a show in Los Angeles and I saw one other show too. And, you know, I really enjoyed the show. Um, but, they were so intently focused on making it sound exactly like the re- the record mm. that it you know it was perfect so it was almost kind of like if you close your eyes you could be in your bedroom oh, listening you know it would be just like this experience of how I'd how I'd listen to that record a million times times before on on headphones or or in a room like just um deep listening of the record you know so it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't entertaining in that uh like a like a live show can be or like you know and and that's fine um it was just kind of like i don't i don't know what i expected because i didn't i hadn't even seen a video i don't even know if there was one that i'd seen at that at that point definitely not in the 90s there was no videos that i'd seen so um i'd heard live tapes um and i had those i collected some of those but and those were pretty true to the recordings as well so i kind of figured that you know they were really tight and really on it but um i just felt like they were you know i heard a little bit about the story about them getting back together that they they had they would spend you know uh, you know, eight to 10 hours a day rehearsing and going through the original master tapes and listening to like nuances of, of the playing and, uh, and uh, the songs so that they could capture it. And they went through the, the, this really crazy thing where they found saw, uh, and sought out the original gear that they used to make the recording, like down to like, you know, it was an amplifier that David had that was like, not very good you know and but it was the one he used and you know he went to you know it's kind of rare too like a rare solid state head spectra that was the name and and he went and you know hunted one down because and even the cabinet configuration um and 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 really sometimes if they could that the actual you know the, the the same cabinet maybe not the same one that was used but like a a a a duplicate you know so meticulous about copying it that you know I, I could tell that's where the focus was and you know it paid off because it sounded exactly like the record but then it was kind of like well i could be at my house listening to this too you know like <laughs> you know <laughs> in the comfort of my own home like i've been listening to this record all these years you know so it was kind of um it was a little bit um anticlimactic you know yeah fair i mean i wish you'd been at the one that i was at in london because they um restarted breadcrumb trail twice because they had some false starts um and things kind of collapsed and they kicked it off again but (laughs) every time they started the song again the cheer probably louder for the start of the song the third time than for the rest of the gig because i think people were just so enwrapped by the fact that this material was suddenly this fallible thing that could fall apart instead of being you know etched onto a disc it was like yeah. oh my gosh like yeah. this, is, <laughs> this this can break down <laughs> this is incredible yeah 
I, 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 uh, I've heard about that show too. And um, I know what you're talking about. I think there was this, there's something about that music to me that it's also extremely fragile and, Mm. um, and it has this feeling that it's going to fall apart at any moment, but it doesn't. And I didn't get that sense when I saw it. Like, it sounds like that happened when you saw them, but when I saw them, it was more like, man, these guys are so on top of this. There's just no way it's solid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was missing this, this feeling or this, you know, this, this perception of it all falling apart, you know, and, and, and it never does, but you think it, it's like thinking that it might is like, gives it this whole different energy and yes. um, it makes yeah. it vulnerable, you know? And it's like, and, and that's what I, you know, it, I, I connected to with that, with this record. It was just like, wow, this is, this expression what these guys are doing is, is, this is unbelievable. It's, it's really magic, you know? And um, especially of course, the last track, it's like, you know, there's, that's a heavy emotional, at least it evokes heavy, uh, a lot of heavy emotion for me because this is so intense and you can kind of, you know, assign that to, you know, different things that are going on in your life that oh, are, you God. know, lo- loss and, and, and change and things like that. So, and, and I kind of, I got the feeling and I had heard rumors that Brian wasn't so comfortable um, singing um, and he kind of, you know, I don't know if it was the case in London or or where you saw when you saw them, but um, he was off to the side there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was it's a little kind of cool in a way, but kind of like, oh man, I I could kind of sense this um, that he was a, a little uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. that, and but there were moments too where it was like it was glorious to to bask in the sonic, you know, this, this, the loudness <laughs> of them playing through, you know, amps, you, I couldn't get that sensation um, necessarily with the records uh, listening to them on a home stereo. So it was like, you know, and then geeking out like, Oh, look at the gear they're using. And, like, you know, like, <laughs> like, Oh, this is how he plays that chord or something like that. Like kind of that being, you know, being able to like, see that was also very special. So it wasn't, I don't want to say it was a negative experience. I just kind of like, I don't, I, I, I don't know if I've come to terms with what that was or not. <laughs> you know, yeah, like it, sure. It was, yeah. It was, it was, it was strange. And I, it was, I probably built it up way too much in my head as well, you know, since it took so long and that record that, that was a, such an important thing for me. That music is, was so important, but no. I'm trying to find a way home. I'm sorry. I miss you. Greg, we've got one more important record. Uh, what is your final pick? Um, the final pick would be um, uh, the Vertigo uh, soundtrack composed by Bernard Herrmann. Yeah, I, I I love that album and I love the film. I saw it when I was a teenager in high school in the 80s and um, 
kind of became aware of Hitchcock, you know, of course, Psycho and, oh, there's other stuff. He's other, he's a body of work that's, there's other stuff to check out, you know, really exciting <laughs> to, to like to uncover and discover that. So Vertigo was the one that just, man, I just, I'd kept on, it really, it became my favorite of a uh, film of Hitchcock film. And um, back then, probably, you know, being a teenager, I, I, I didn't, you know, <laughs> listening to a lot of hardcore and underground metal and stuff like that, like this, you know, the, the sound, the music or the sound soundtrack just kind of washed over me. And uh, I didn't really realize that or pay attention too much to what it was. It was more about the film. But uh, as I got older, I was like, man, the, the reason this film is having this effect on me and that it, um, uh, I like it so much is because of the sound the and the music that's going along with it you know mm. so that was kind of i mean you know uh, first realization to me of, of something of uh the importance uh or the importance a, a, a composer or a soundtrack might have to a film you know um it's like oh wow though this is how it's making me feel like um and it, it has to do with the way that the music is what the music is and where it's placed and it's just some, you know, something that I always just like would go back to probably, you know, top three favorite films of all time. And definitely out of my favorite films, like the one that had where the music and the score was um, integral part of, of the movie. And like, um, so, uh, and then it just kind of became this thing where it's like some of the mood and even some of the, 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 the music I, I was, I was getting inspiration from it to, um, or trying to kind of uh, emulate the, the 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 feel of that in in different groups I was in, especially with Sun, because Sun has a lot more freedom and openness and what we in what we do and kind of the whole concept of the group. So uh, it just sort of you know I was it became an influence on my playing, and then probably about four or five years ago I I, I saw the film again and it just put me down this rabbit hole where I was just like wanting to hear everything I possibly could that Bernard Herman had done. <laughs> and um, I just loved his, you know, I loved his, um, I loved his music and, and his scores. And, you know, I thought Cape fear was incredible. Um, uh, of course, taxi driver. And, yeah. um, but like even like kind of more obscure stuff like obsession and, and sisters and, um just you know i got really deep into it but basically you know basically went on discogs and just like bought it you know tried to tried to buy or he tried to hear everything you know that that mm. was that he had had been um that he had done uh, north by northwest is another great one um the hitchcock of course and um but vertigo to me is is kind of his it's my favorite of his and and um there's something about that the 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 mood of that is just it's it 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 has this darkness to it that's also like i mentioned with slint's kind of seductive and um the storyline of the movie and the way that the music weaves in and out of that and really sort of it really is the guide to your journey on that re on that record on on that for that film you know and i mm. I, I loved it and I, so i really started just i, I had a period of time there last couple of years um off and on where i would just like that, that's all i would that's all i would listen to were um bernard herman scores and and um 
especially of course vertigo but um i started having this idea of potentially incorporating that influence uh, or trying to capture sort of the 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 mood um or the aesthetic of what he of his of his compositions into what i was doing and and in putting it into like kind of a heavy frame like uh, like using the the heaviness the satur of you know, heaviness of and saturation of of guitars but but um you know sort of some of the 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 uh, riffs or melodies that bernard was trying to do that uh but in like with with heavy music you know so mm. um and that was kind of to me the records the the recordings that made up the forest nocturne record that i did was was um you know, I really wanted to try to almost as if I was scoring, um, you know, uh, my own film, which some of it, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 that, it's really cheesy that I said that because that's actually was the catalyst of that album, The Force Nocturne, is I did get commissioned to do um, a soundtrack for a film and um, or to score a film. And um, it was great. It got me in the studio and got me thinking in that way. And even further, you know, I'd already kind of had the idea, but it, uh, it pushed me, it pushed me further. But then um, it's interesting. They didn't use um, a lot of what I, um, what I wrote for them. So I was like, man, I really like what I did here. And Brad, um, I was working in the studio with this producer, Brad Wood, and we had so much fun making um, this music that um, I wanted to um, present it as I, had envisioned without uh you know without uh being it being picked apart so i that was the forest nocturne record but um really that that was all about some heavy bernard uh herman influence also john carpenter um as well but right, um yeah. but really like like oh what would what would what would what would bernard herman sound like with heavy guitars basically <laughs> like just to simplify it and dumb it down that's exactly what i was thinking like this would, that could be interesting no one's you know no, i don't know anyone that's done that you know um yeah it's not not in a focused way like that i'm sure people musicians have been in the underground heavy music scene have been influenced by him but i was just like well let's let's do something that's really focused and and, and almost maybe so you know somewhat blatant in a way and um there was one track on that record in particular. <laughs> it was like um, the uh, the Church of Herman. That yeah. track was with the with the use of um, uh, organ on there, and that was um, as heavily influenced and really sort of um, um, somewhat lifted from um, the one lone track on Vertigo that has the organ where he visits um, Jimmy Stewart um, visits that mission. And um, that's the, 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 the organ that's playing in there. And we, we did our own sort of treatment and interpretation on uh, and um, elaboration on that for that track. But, um, but yeah, I was kind of just fascinated by this idea of like, well, what would this music sound like and the scores and these ideas and these concepts sound like with, heavy saturated guitars played by you know caveman metalheads you know what would that <laughs> what would that sound like is that yeah. cool i don't know well it's fun <laughs> to make it you know <laughs> oh, so good uh, what yeah. i love is uh because obviously so much of that score in vertigo has a sense of disorientation and those arpeggiations you feel like you're spinning round and yes. then i feel like your record 
has the added advantage of having the low frequencies that knock you off balance as well. So I think oh, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to experience this in a cinema setting, I think would be pretty nauseating for the good but yeah yeah i mean to be truth be told i was i was i was i was pretty disappointed that um so i put a lot of effort and you know somebody i think this you know the, the film company the, I, I think the, you know they wanted son they wanted son and and, and right, Stephen and I, right Stephen and i from son we 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 discuss it and and um we made a decision um uh really kind of uh Steven was like, you know, I don't, he's like, I don't really want to, uh, I, I, he's like, I, I'm not really uh, entirely comfortable with this association that we're getting with horror films. Cause we, we've done some, we've had a lot of, we've had a, a lot of our stuff used in horror films for li licensed or, mm. um, and, um, it's been cool, you know? And I, I think a lot of people, um, sort of, there's a lot of people that, uh, associate, um, our music with horror and, um, and, and, especially with the the life metal record that we did in 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 uh 2019 and then the pyro class which is also the companion to that and um we were trying to do something different in in mood and bring little bring some light and not make this all so dark and so we were kind of in our heads at least um trying to do something that was uh a decided you know shift from what we've done in the past so yeah. this this opportunity came up during that and steven was just like yeah you know i don't know about doing any stuff for horror movies and i was kind of like i had just kind of taught myself how to record some stuff and it was pandemic i'm in my garage and was like okay uh well, maybe i'll tackle this you know like i you know i i you know i i'm not a huge fan of horror films but I do like a lot of that music that is the scored for it. I'm a huge John Carpenter fan, you know, love Goblin and things like that. And, and, mm. but then I was like, you know, obviously, you know, I don't, Hitchcock's not horror, but um, his music is, uh, or Herman's scores have been a huge influence on things that came afterwards. And when there's, of course, there's Psycho, which is like kind of the, you know, it's like the Beatles of, of, uh, of horror <laughs> soundtracks yeah. in some ways, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, this is where it started. And, it's what people are emulating. Carpenter, of course, is really influenced by that. But um, so, anyways, it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to take a stab at this because I do have this this crazy vision of trying to create a cinema, like something more, um, something more focused and cinematic with what with uh, within the you know heavy saturated guitar, for, um, using that as the as the tool for it, you know. So, um, but then they, they, um, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's typical, I guess, uh, it's not my world, the film industry and that business. Um, it's so different from where the world that I live in <laughs> mm, right, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and operate in definitely different than the music business. Um, and I'm always like, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways I was trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm what, what, what motivates me with, with me within the music business to run a label is just to, is to be the opposite of what I see around me, kind of the antithesis. So, but anyways, the film industry is, from what I gather is just completely messed up and um, <laughs> not right. my thing. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of felt like maybe I just kind of got, you know, I got, uh, got the short end of the stick um, in a typical, you know, film industry way uh it's probably i'm not I'm, i know i'm not the first and and but but um 
but what I was able to do was I was able to, when I agreed to do it, I said, I, I, this music needs to remain mine. I need to be able to do something else with this. If I, at my choosing, you know, yeah. um, because I thought like, Hey, you know, who knows with this, maybe I'll do something. Maybe this something, this will be, a pro, um, worked out with son in, in some ways. I just didn't want it to be limited to just the film. Um, so, and then when it came out, the phone, when, when the film came out, they only used like, um, you know, I recorded like over 40 minutes worth of material that was scored specifically. A lot of it was specifically to the film and, um, they only used like five minutes of what I did. Ah, shit, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And, and, and I was like, wow. Um, well, uh, I, I could look at this and be really like depressed and disappointed. Um, or I could, you know, I could make something out of this. And I just love the experience of doing that the first time ever in my life that I'd done something like that. So, and I was just, you know, I was really on this, <laughs> really on this Bernard Herman high. So I'm like, okay, well here, here's my, <laughs> here's my contribution to this type of thing. You know, like, well, here's my interpretation of this, uh, of this and, 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 uh, and I just loved, I loved, I loved the process of, of doing that. It was great. And working with Brad Wood um, and him, uh, it was, it was just a really a lot of fun. So um, I wanted to share that rec, that music and present it as I in, uh, originally envisioned, you know? Um, mm. God, yeah. Greg, you're such a pro. We've come full circle. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I figure you've done a few of these That's hilarious. Yeah. One question, because there's something that has come up a couple of times in this interview, which is deep listening sessions. Mm. So I wanted to ask you, what does a deep listening session look like for you? Man, not often enough these days, I'll tell you that. Um, um, I wish I had more time to do it, but um, it, it doesn't really necessarily matter what the how you're playing it like whether it's in like a, a hi-fi great stereo system with the turntable you know and yeah. um or whether it's like on your iphone um i do a lot of listening i guess what could be considered deep listening on my iphone with um i don't have earbuds i don't i can never get those to sound how i like it but i do have like some nice headphones uh i really like these uh kind of funny because i hate the amplifiers but the marshall makes a a, a great um headphone right yeah that, yeah those headphones are cool and uh can't stand their their amps but i love the headphones um <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and their bluetooth speakers are great too i love those too um but anyway so i, I i'll listen to that um and i'll go like I, I like i like to hike and we got a lot of great nature around me so um i'll go out and put something on the headphones and um I was listening to a ton of uh Indian classical music, uh especially this uh this um musician uh Shiv Kumar Sharma that plays uh, an instrument called the santur and um 
it's kind of like a hammer dulcimer. Uh, <laughs> uh, mm. but I listened to a lot of that stuff and, and, um, would, would just, you know, those pieces of music, um, those ragas are really long and it's really, I love how you can just trance out on that and you can really, I, I, I do a lot of thinking on that, you know, on that music and, and mm. come up with different, uh, ideas or just work stuff out in my head. It's been really good for kind of, I guess, therapeutic and some, uh, you could call it. Um, but for me, deep listening doesn't mean like you're just come in necessarily intently focused on what is playing into your ears or what you're listening to. It could also be deep listening to me. It could be also like, the music allows you to go to a different place in your head, you can zone out, trance out, meditation, things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, totally. That to me is, you know, I, 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 that's kind of what I would, that's how I view or I, what I think of when I think about deep listening. It's not about like, oh yeah, I really concentrated on, on, you know, um, specific tiny nuances of the recording. It's more like, oh, well, I was, I, um, uh, I was I was so entranced or absorbed by this uh, music that uh, um, I went to a, I was able to figure out what I'm going to do with my life in the next couple weeks or something. You know what I mean? Like, like I love that. I, yeah. I love being able to like, or it's like sometimes it sounds really. It might sound cheesy, but it's like, oh, I'll figure out like I've got like a business problem that I need to figure out. And like, oh, well, if I put on this music and just zone out, it's like, oh, maybe that idea will um, come to me. Uh, yeah. From the music, letting me kind of get a get into a different place, a different headspace and kind of zone out on on things. But I also do love an, an analysis session too. You know, sometimes that's fun with a friend. You know, we can like <laughs> down and like pick apart stuff or play. Um, like, dude, what about this part? You know, and then like play it over and over and over again. <laughs> I've done that before. It's just, that's a cool session, listening session with with somebody. You know, um, just you know, kind of sharing it with. It doesn't have to be. I guess. I guess when I first think of deep listening, I think of like as a, as something you do alone. But um, but I've now that I think about it, yeah, I've had some moments where, um, or in the you know in the in the traveling in a vehicle um, or in a van on tour, like that's 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 been a good uh, session listening session where you put on a record and everyone's just totally you know enraptured by it, and and then you you discuss it you know and yes. uh and then repeat stuff over and over again like oh yeah this part and <laughs> i can't believe this, this transition here you know or whatever this riff and you know and then you then you steal that idea and try to do something with it on your own you know? <laughs> okay one more quick question for you greg sure. which is right yeah. at the top you mentioned that your kids will say to you what's your favorite song what are their answers to that question? Because I presume they have them if they're asking you. Oh man, I mean, it depends on the yeah you know, changes all the time. <laughs> you know, they, they, um, uh, you know, of course, right now they're really into um, Stranger Things. So, uh, right. Kate Bush, like, uh, was it Running Up the Hill or whatever it's called? Yeah, um, wow. They, they love that because um, they love that show. But um, they always, for a while, they're 
couple years ago, they were obsessed with this one song by Queens of the Stone Age. Um, it's like their la- the hit off their last record. Um, uh, I can't remember the title of it now. It's a oh, poppy hit it? song. Um, uh, I love that record. Why is it not coming way, to me? The way that you do the do, the way that you do the way oh, you do. For um, that one, yeah, I know the one you mean, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't remember it. Uh, uh, but they were just, oh, they were just, we get in the car and they're like, can we hear, can we hear Queens of the Stone Ages? Uh, um, and uh, uh, what else do they like? Um, one of my kids is, we got really into um, my son, uh, Orson. He's the middle guy. He, um, we have three kids. And um, I, I turned him on to... Um, uh epmd you gots to chill right uh the strictly business record <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I love that record and he was like he was like he was he was hearing some hip-hop you know some modern hip-hop i'm like oh I'm, i let your dad like some hip-hop and we were playing like epmd <laughs> and, and uh and public enemy but especially um epmd uh that song you gots to chill he loved that song so i would listen to that for for uh, uh, over and over and over um <laughs> my car <laughs> it's cool so yeah yeah it's interesting to see their you know uh he are here you know what their uh, interests are uh, um because i mean for me like uh, you know growing up and, and when i was their age it was like you know, it was the radio, you know, and, and, um, a little bit limited in your exposure. And now there's just so many different ways to hear their, where music is playing and to experience music. It's, it's, it's amazing. So it's interesting to, you know, it seemed like more of uh, something you needed to kind of, um, focus on finding when I was younger. And yeah, now it's totally. like, it's, it's just, it's, it, it's it's at your it's at your reach at any moment and and that was kind of to me that was part of the whole appeal and what why i like music because i loved the i loved the work i loved searching for it i loved you know spending the time with it now it's just kind of it's everywhere you know it's yes. like yeah. whether you like it or not whether you like it or not you know so i don't know it's, a, it's a interesting um um they had none of my none of them have been as um into music as as i was uh when i was that age um they did they're, they're into other things you know so um but that might change and um you know uh i'll be uh supportive of course <laughs> if it is but i, I don't <laughs> we're not one of those fa- one of those uh families that like is you know like oh you got to learn this instrument and you should do this and try to discipline them that way or or force them to listen to anything it's like it's pretty loose in our house as far as that goes like you know most of the listening is done kind of um through the tv like on a show or movie or yeah um, or you know i listen to a lot of music in my car so whenever we get in my car something you know i usually ask them first thing when we get in the car like you know pick one of the kids and or whoever's there with me and okay what do you want to hear you know you pick something out and you know, it's kind of it's it's kind of, that's kind of cool because when I was a kid, it's like you just you know, hey mom, can you put on the radio and 
just hope that something that you like comes on. But oftentimes <laughs> yeah. it didn't. Or, you know, your mom would be like, hey, I, I don't want to listen to the rock and roll while I'm driving right now or whatever, you know. Like, you know so you wouldn't. But now I'm just like, it's like you got to, you got to, you know, you could be the DJ now um, in my, in, uh, in your dad's car. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's well good. Me and my son, while I was preparing for this podcast, we were in my car and he's now old enough to kind of negotiate a little bit. But he really likes this one song by this Tanzanian guitarist. It's, it's like three minutes long. But Whoa. I've heard it so much now that oh, I yeah. had to say to him, look, can we swap back and forth? He said, yeah, you pick a song and I pick a song. So he picked that one and then I picked Pharaoh Dance. But oh, I think nice. he was too nice. young to realise that that wasn't really fair given it's like, what, 20 minutes long? But <laughs> he sat it out for about five minutes before demanding yeah. a return to that one song that that he he insists on listening to for god the past week i think <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of a trip like um wonder what and if something's gonna they're gonna connect with something that i'm playing you know um yeah do you find it quite random like the the kind of stuff oh, that totally jumps random. out yeah yeah they, they, they got um they got really into black sabbath for a little while too we were listening to um um the first album and um uh, they, 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 they knew how ridiculously obsessed I was with that band. So they were like, they basically like, Oh, dad's favorite band is black Sabbath. You know, that that's what they would, you know? And so I think because of that, um, and you know, and I would, I would talk to them about that and like, you know, like, Oh, what's your favorite band? And then, you know, usually that's, that's my answer. Black Sabbath is my favorite band. So they, they, I think they would like, I think they got into it because they knew how much I was into it. Um, that's very sweet. Uh, but yeah, it is totally random, and I, I just kind of wonder, like, um, I wonder if it's like, so when I, because when I was a kid, it's like I didn't have this exposure to uh, all kinds. Of, my 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 parents weren't musicians, and 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 so there was only a handful of records that were played in the house. And like I said, there was a radio. So the exposure to music was, was kind of limited, you know, and I, I, I basically, you know, got a radio of my own really early on. And then I would just listen to the rock station over and over again and listen to, you know, absorb it of music that way and, and learn about stuff. But, but with my kids, it's like, there's so much music in my life and that is my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering like, what, well, what's it going to be like for them? Or, or maybe it's just like, it's going to have the opposite effect. They're just not, Oh, it's just not interested. Uh, maybe it's not, a, maybe it's not exotic or maybe it's not something that, you know, they don't have to work for it. So it's like, Oh, you know, it's just not going to have a, it's not going to have a priority in their life. I really don't know. I mean, I'm fine with what, however that shapes out. It's just, it's sometimes I trip on that, you know, like, wow, well, that's what's, this is weird because if like if my parents when I grew up, the, uh, I could just only I, I I just imagine in my head like mom if 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 my mom played music, was a musician and she was like playing like you know Eric Dolphy and Black Sabbath <laughs> and you know uh, and and uh, you know um, uh, all these different kinds of uh, you know these great uh, uh, Indian classical music. That'd be incredible, you know. Like that would have been that would have been amazing, but uh, but maybe not. Maybe like I said, maybe it has the opposite effect. Maybe it's like oh, um, it's yeah, just, uh, yeah. It's trip. so interesting. Trip to think about, but yeah. Well, Greg, thank you so much. Like, what a treat yeah, to speak man. about these records, your records, your kids' favorites. Um, it's been fabulous. Thank you, dude. This is great. I'm, I was really looking. Like I said, I was you know. I don't think I mentioned to you before we 
when we first started talking, I was really looking forward to this conversation because, I mean, dude, I'm just a total nerd and geek out about, you know, those three records that we talked about. And those just, I loved, I love talking about them. And I'm always kind of like the motivation besides like talking about, besides just talking about it in the open and, and talking about my feelings about it. It's like, man, I hope somebody like listens to this who's never heard one of those records right and then yeah. it just like just blow like changes their life you know that because that's because <laughs> that's how i feel when i heard those records you know what i mean so it's yeah. like uh, um it's uh that's kind of the that's the that's the that's an underlying inspiration for for talking about them and thanks for uh giving me the opportunity to do that you know wicked oh yeah thanks once again to everyone listening i'll see you next time goodbye Thanks, man.